Welcome to From the Outside Looking In with your hosts Patrick Bannis and Andy Leoskos. Come on in. everybody welcome back welcome back again to the show that sometimes ends we're so glad you could attend come inside or stay outside whatever makes you feel comfortable uh welcome to from the outside looking in hopefully by now you know what this show's about because we don't uh we talk about geek culture from a non-geek perspective or non-geek culture from a geeky perspective who knows who cares we talk about shit we like hopefully you get a laugh hopefully you like some of it too (laughs) My name is Andy Liascos. With me, as always, the Dr. Octagon to my vulture, Mr. Patrick Banis. Come on in, my friends, and wipe your feet, you filthy animals. Wipe your feet, you filthy animals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times. Pat, how you been, man? Hey, man. I am uh, whew, I'm living the dream out here. I'm living it. Nice. Living the dream in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I am in Downingtown, Pennsylvania. That's right, everybody. This is a remote show, and hopefully the recording comes out better than the last time. We've done some dry runs. We've done some tests. We think we have a pill that you'll be willing to swallow, people. Um, and, I, and, and you know what that means? That means more production from your friends at from the outside looking in. That means more regular shows. Pat was out here a little while ago. We did some recordings. I fucked up those recordings. <laughs> <laughs> so, but hey, if this works and it sounds like it's working, we're going to be able to get to you every two to three weeks now. I think that's our goal. Pat, you agree to that goal? Yeah. Truth is, a, it's, a, it's a bitter pill to swallow, isn't it? Mm. And as Jason Spazen once said, but I fucking took it all. Oh. <laughs> but what is, it, what is not bitter to swallow is some of this sweet, sweet Southern tear help on the way. Double IPA. Holy crap, this is real good. You got a, you got a crack there, something. You got I, cr- I, I cracked, I cracked, man, I cracked. You, 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 you might not, have, you might not have heard it from the, from so far away. Yeah, that could be, that could be. Pat and I are actually talking on the phone, but recording. I will also see if I can. Uh, you couldn't really hear that. A little bit of a pop top there from a bottle. I am going with the Cremudgeon's Better Half from Founders. Oh. Yep, oh, it's nice. An, yeah, it's an old ale, so it's basically the old curmudgeon, right? But it's been aged with, uh, uh, it's been brewed with molasses and Ooh. aged in maple syrup bourbon barrels. If that doesn't sound good to you, I don't know what the hell is wrong with it. Yeah, I think I learned, I think I learned the other day, I was at a party. It's the party season, so I'm doing partying. Mm-hmm. And I was at a party, and I learned about, I like the the whiskey and the bourbon and the scotch bit and so i think it's bourbon that is you can only call it bourbon if it's made in kentucky and if it's brewed you know like if they not brewed but distilled in in the barrel and then they never use the barrel again yeah and it's not it's not just that there's also i think there's certain counties within kentucky that can only produce true bourbon yeah yeah, weird, wow. weird, wild stuff. I was drinking, uh, had a little uh, Friendsgiving the other day and had some bourbon and some scotch. I am a I am a whiskey guy, right? Remember, all bourbons are whiskeys, but not all whiskeys are bourbons. Yeah, you're one scotch, one bourbon, and then maybe right maybe now you're one beer. beer. Maybe one yeah. beer. Yeah. Yeah, we've never, uh, we've, never, we've never shared in the whiskey yet, like on a show or anything. Well, the next time that you are in studio, we will have, uh, how about an 18-year-old bottle of Glenlivet, a little bit of scotch. Oh, yeah. 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 I like That'll it. be the next show, people. Sweet, sweet Glenlivet. I've got a great <coughs> Glenlivet. I was going to say, I want to say I have a great Glenlivet story, but it's only, it's, it's basically like a side note. Glenlivet was barely involved, but it got me in a lot of trouble, so. Nice. Um, All right. So Thanksgiving, while you were Friendsgiving it up, mm-hmm. I was up in Toronto 
nice. for the holiday. So we went up there for the holiday because we didn't have anything really to do around this area. And then we we're going to go back across the state your way for Christmas time to see the family. Sure. So um, what's that? I said, sure. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to so we're going to I, um, I got closer to the microphone like that meant anything at all. Yeah, so, but it'll play admit, real well. It'll play nice with the audience. You guys exactly. Will get it. Yeah. So, so we're up in Toronto. Uh, we do a bunch of stuff. Um, I'll, I'll have to tell you about the Silver <coughs> Snail, the Silver Snail, and the Sonic Boom. Um, those are two of the best places to go in Toronto. Uh, for, okay. If you're if you're geeks like us, um, but we stop at the duty free on the way home. And it's right at the border, right? So it's we're right at the border, right outside, right, you know, right across the bridge from Buffalo. And we stop, and we get a bunch of li- get a bunch of liquor, and I get like I get a Glenlivet, and I get a Monkey Shoulder, and I get a bunch of some rum and some bottles of wine, and um, all this stuff. And uh, my partner gets a whole bunch of stuff, and then we get in the car. Neither of us really knows what we've gotten because she was shopping in her own cart. I'm shopping in my own cart. We just threw it all together. We get in the car. We get to the border crossing, and the guy's like, not cool and or happy at all. And this is the American side. Where, like, Why? Because, because these guys have to deal with, you know being the defenders of America or something Mm -hmm, on a Sunday when there's a ton of Canadians flooding over the border to get cheap beer and then go to the Buffalo Bills game. Ooh, nice. So here this poor schmuck is. And, you know, we we had a great weekend. We were, like, really excited. We we were having a good time. And he was just, like, a major sourpuss the whole time. He's like, hey, he's like, you know, where's your plate? And I'm like, Pennsylvania, because I got to know where we're coming in from. Because we drove up, so we're driving back, so we just got to know. He's like, how long were you there? We were there for like four days. Do you have any alcohol in the car? Well, yeah, we just stopped at the duty-free. How much How, many, how much alcohol do you have? I don't know. I didn't count it. What do you mean you don't know? I was like, I didn't count it. This goes on. Like, I had to roll down the windows. He had to look at the bottles of liquor. I was like, the receipt's back there, man. Like, you can just, he just was getting super, super upset. You know, before Why? he asked me if I had it, because because these guys are like, I, I guess that they expect that, you know, I'm going to have like a, like an itemized list of what's in my car so that when I drive across the border, I can give them like a manifest and be like, here's all the shit that's in my car. You know what I mean? And I was like, this is the first time we drove across the border. So I have no idea what to expect here. Like, yeah, I, that's, I don't know. It seems, it seems a bit aggressive, right? Like coming from Canada. Yeah, oh, yeah. Super aggro, super aggro. And uh, and he just, it just, he just, it gets worse and worse. And then he's like, is the car unlocked? Unlock it. And he's going through the back of my car. And so he finds like two pairs of boots that I bought in Canada and a duffel bag. And he's like, what's this? I'm like, they're boots. I'm like, they're boots, eh? Like, I don't know. You know, like, what do you have to declare all that? Yeah, yeah. You have to. Kind of yes and no. Like, they want you to declare it, but usually there's a part of this transaction where he asked me if I have anything to declare. Like, do you have anything to declare? And at, the, and at that point, then I'm like, I bought some stuff, you know? And if it doesn't exceed a certain value, they really don't care. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, I, can't, I, can't, I can't blow a couple of grand on stuff or buy a car. They don't, you know. But if you, you know, I bought like a couple of pairs of boots, but he never gave me, he never gave us that chance. He was so excited about how much alcohol we bought that we couldn't recall. I was like, she bought stuff, I bought stuff, then we got in a car. I was like, we didn't count it. I was like, the receipt's in there though. It's like, it's not a, he's like, well, what's this on the floor? And mind you, on the floor in red duty free bags are more liquor. Right. I'm like, You're like, it's the liquor that didn't fit in the box that they gave us. Said alcohol that was purchased? Yeah, so he was just it was it was crazy. I'd never been I'd never been so freaked out at the border because and it was it was crazy. Like we didn't do anything we didn't do anything wrong. We just didn't know how many bottles of alcohol we brought with us. You know, like you back should've, across. You should have just been like, hey man, I'm just trying to get these Mexicans. I mean, right? <laughs> Seriously, it was just it was like that. So man, I you know it's a I got a really good Glenlivet though, so I'm really excited about that. So we'll I like the nice yeah, we'll Scotch. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. So we'll have to get together on that. I'm in. I'm in a hundred percent. And I'll, I'll tell you, maybe there's a date that we can get together. Cause I'm, I'm about to, 
I'm about to make an announcement on the show. I'm about to drop something. What? I'm about to drop something on from the. Is there gonna be a dr- hold on? There's there's a drum roll. I don't know if you can hear that, but I'm beating on the desk. Um, yeah, what is it, man? Yeah, yeah. So, as some of you may know, I happen to be in a little musical project, a band, if you will, called Bears Have Hearts. Um, first, there's going to be two parts to this drop. Uh, first part of the drop, a new album, not new album, first album, debut album, if you the will. The debut. The debut album, recorded right here at Full Spectrum Studios, the fall. Should be released um, next week. Whoa. Um, whoa, I'm working to get everything done. All the mixing and mastering of the, the, the album's done. It's a super pain in the ass to do all that shit. And, and as an engineer, this was probably the most uh, ambitious engineering project I've ever done. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's like 300 hours I've got in on this thing. So maybe it sounds good, maybe it doesn't. I don't know anymore because I can't tell. But the band seems to like it, so that's cool. So next week, so new is, album. Is this gonna be? Is this gonna be like at the same places where listeners could like maybe hear our podcast? Uh, so I'm gonna try to get it on iTunes for sure. It'll be available on our Bandcamp site, which I'll post on the Facebook page once I have it there. Because um, I haven't built the site yet, but I plan on doing that this week as well. Um, and, busy. Uh, yes, busy, busy, busy week. And I'm going to get this show mixed and mastered and up. Um, and we're also going to have a physical media copy of the album. We're going to do a CD. I know a lot of people are asking me for a vinyl, but like vinyl's like 20 bucks a pop to have made. And you have to do like a minimum of a thousand recording. Oof. I, I, don't, I don't know a thousand people, let alone how I'm going to sell a thousand records, right? But right. <clears throat> CD will be physical media be available download and stuff like that uh probably be available on spotify um but the second thing and probably maybe the reason why we can drag mr patrick bannis out here friday february 15th bears have hearts and friend of the show voss will be performing live yeah Performing live with some other acts, uh, 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 another hip-hop act called Firm Tactics, and then actually my old band from Cleveland, Maura Rogers and the Bellows. We were performing live Friday, February 15th at Bourbon and Branch in downtown Philly on 2nd Street. Wow. Yeah, so that'll be a good show. That's ambitious, son. That's ambition. Us and Vaz live together on the stage. Not together, but in the same venue, on the same stage, not at the same time. It'll still be Friend cool, Friend of the though. show, Vaz. Yeah, yeah. So February wow, 15th. Man. Come on out, wow, people. This is, this is going to be crazy for me, man. We're going we're gonna to be like doing, it's going to be like the Cannonball Run. We're going to a, we're going to a concert on the 14th in Pittsburgh. Valentine's on, Day. Yeah, so if I can come, if I can go to Philly on the 15th, I mean, wow. Like, why not? That'd be a good time. Come and share the love. Awesome, so that, dude. That's what's going on in my world. But Pat, what's going on in the world today? Pull up a chair, kids. Uncle Patrick's going to tell you a story. He's going to tell you a story about the golden rule and what happens in life when you make good choices. Mm. All right. Mm. Sometimes, sometimes, you don't want to do the right thing. And then you realize you should do the right thing and you get rewarded for doing the right thing. Praise. Preach. Back in the day, back in the day, like April, uh, when your fearless fearless co-host went to uh, the Garden State Con to see Jim Steranko, um, I got some comics and I got some stuff signed by Jim Steranko. I got uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number four signed by Kevin Eastman. And we sent them to, I sent them to CGC to get them slabbed, to get graded and, you know, authenticated. Always a smart choice. Exactly. I happen to do it through the only, the only people that were on site who unfortunately happen to be, not unfortunately, but. Uh, unfortunately, geographically, they were a comic book shop located in New Mexico. <laughs> so this comic book shop in New Mexico has had my comics uh, and has been sending them back and forth to CGC, and this took forever. So finally, like a month ago, I get some texts from him, and I'm, he's like, hey, 
I got all your books. Uh, I'm getting ready to send them out. Uh, I'm going to send you two boxes. And he sends me, you know, tracking for two boxes. And so, sure enough, box one shows up. And I open up box one, and I'm like, all right, man, here's some. This is going to be great. There's going to be some good stuff in here. I can't wait to see this stuff. And so I get my, I get my spy man number one, which Ooh. is uh, CGC. Now this is the debate we had with Stanenko while we're at the show. Yeah, CGC, he denied that this was his first work, but CGC. he denies it. But CGC credits this as his first professional work. So yes. it is what it is. Sorry, Stanenko. Um, I got. Uh, I can't remember if what it, it's. Ultimate something or other, I forget. It's the first, uh, it's the first appearance of Miles Morales as Spider-Man. Okay, yeah. Got that graded. Got that back. I got uh, all Flash comics uh, number 20, 22, something like that. It's from like nineteen forty-three. I don't I know what that. that back. What is? What is that? Was that another Sternanko? No. So all Flash comics was. It, it happened to be a really old comic that I picked up. Um, at auction a while back because it was in really excellent shape and it's like um, this is the first run of Flash comics okay, um, okay. from 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 way way back right and right. so I'm I'm going through my slabs and I'm looking and somewhere in the middle of this this bunch of slabs I get like I got to double check on this number but it's like Green Lantern. 76 or something it was it was green lantern and green arrow it was a green lantern green arrow yeah so so this is this is the original green lantern comic series and i believe it was like issue number uh, 76 it was the beginning of the story arc with green lantern and green arrow uh written by um denny o'neill and inked by uh, world famous uh, comic artist Neil Adams, and this is yep. a run of excellent, excellent stuff. These guys oh, yeah, do. Yeah. They touch. They touched on a ton of political stuff. They touched on drugs, drug they, addiction, they, yeah, it was drug great, addiction, everything. Great I mean, series, it, was, it was great series. It was an amer- amazing arc. So this we've, is the we've first talked issue. about. We've talked about this series before with like admiration. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So I'm going through these slabs, and all of a sudden, there's this slab, and it's like a nine point six. It's like pristine, and I almost wet my pants. Right, you said, and you sent a text like, "Dude," and then I was like, "Holy shit, dude!" <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was like, "Dude, uh, I'm probably gonna get in a lot of trouble for this, but this is basically the most amazing thing." So, um, you know, I'm sitting on this comic, and you know, like a day or two later, uh, my last comic shows up, which is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number four. That shows up, and I'm like. Like wow! I so I got all my comics back, and this guy accidentally sent me this super awesome comic, and it's like I've always wanted this comic. Um, it's super it's expensive in, um, as well. So it's an amazing condition. So I dwell on it for a couple of days. I talk to my partner. She's like, "You should probably." At first, she's like, "You know, do whatever," and then then she's like, "You know what? You really need to send that back." And I was like, "Yeah, you know, whatever, whatever," and then like. A, night, a couple of nights later, I actually look it up, and I actually look up to see what this thing is worth. And in the condition that it's in, it's probably I try to remember how exact I am here with it, but it's probably in the ballpark of like I don't know two thousand dollars. Yeah, it's it's, 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 an, a, it's it's a big boy. It's an expensive issue, and at that point, I was like, oh man, this is there's going to be some poor schmuck out there. Who's getting a box of comics back, and it doesn't include my comics or his comic. Right. So it's like, you know. So at this point, I'm like, I got to send this thing back. So I text the guy, and I go, hey, you know, I really appreciate you sending me this, but I know that this isn't mine. Like, I, I really appreciate this the bonus gift, but this is <laughs> right, not right. mine. I did and nothing was, for this. Yeah, I did not deserve this. And he's <laughs> like, oh, my God, you need to send this back immediately. And uh, so he gives me his uh, – he gives me his FedEx information. I box it up. I send it back to him, and I, I you know, I send him a text. I go, hey, I put it in the mail. So if you want to send me a reward, like a finder's reward, you know, that's totally cool too. He's like, oh yeah, don't worry, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up. You know, I don't know. Week or two passes, 
and I get in, I get a box in the mail, and it's from you know it's from this guy from you know Albuquerque, you know, which is always hilarious. Uh, so this guy Gene, he sends me uh, he sends me a box, and I open it up, and I'm like, I wonder what this is going to be, and um, you know because what do you, how do you reward somebody for you know doing a good deed yeah. like that? You know, or, if you're, or doing if you're the right thing. Shop, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah doing I mean? the right thing. So, but I mean, you you, know, you you basically help their business because they'd be on the line for that two grand loss. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how that would work. Like, I don't know how that works in the, you know, on the back end. But yeah, to lose a guy's two thousand dollar comic is pretty much ridiculous. And he told me, you know, weeks before what the grades were on some of my comics. So chances are, whoever this guy was, he knew, knew that, yeah, he had a 9.6 on his hands. He knew that he had, a, he had, a, he had a, like a pristine comic and he wasn't getting it. So I opened this box up and there's another slab in this box. And so, you know, I take it out and there's a handwritten note from Gene. He says, you know, hey, Patrick, thanks for all your honesty. You know, hope you like this book. Thanks, you know, Gene. And, uh, I take the slab out and it is it's Action Comics 1000, which is you know a, a pretty milestone. I mean, it is, it is of all the milestones, it's a pretty milestone issue. You right. Know, a thousand issues of a comic. Yes. Right. And it's uh, it's slabbed. It's it's a 9.8 white pages. It's beautiful. It's brand new. It's pristine. Uh, it's been signed by. Um, the guy that did the variant cover and the variant cover is like the old it's what it's basically what the old action comics cover looked like it had a blue bar across the top that had the the date and the number of the comic you know right. like the issue and stuff and it had a really it has a really cool you know superman cover and and everything and i was like man this is you know like wow this is you know, good good deeds don't go unpunished or whatever yeah yeah right right Doing so, the right the, thing know, pays off from time to time. Right. So, you know, the, the moral of the story is I, I went I went a period of time where I was – there was a lot of hand-wringing on my part because I'm like, this guy sent it to me. It's his fault. It's not my fault. I got this great comic. I should just keep this. And then finally I was like – I you know, you have that epiphany where you're like, yeah, I really should do the right thing. And so I did the right thing. And – you know, not only do you feel good about that, that sometimes you get rewarded in a way. And, you know, as a comic geek, getting a slab in the mail, um, you know, unwarranted is like, it's like Christmas. Yeah, it's not so, nothing better. That's awesome. I mean, kudos to you for doing the right thing. You know, it, it, it's the perfect crime, right? Like somebody sent you something. You didn't do anything wrong, right? But you did the right thing. You got somebody their property back who was probably pretty upset when they didn't get it. You know what I mean? So. Oh you, yeah. Yeah, you made somebody happy, and um, and you got a little something in return for it. So that's not bad at all. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, 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 being a scumbag like I am, right? I really didn't want to do that, but, um, but no, I really wanted to do that. I had to send it back. It was, it was the right thing to do. And so, you know, so now it's, it's a great story. Um, you know, especially, especially when you can relay like a really good uh, message in a comic related story. Um, you know, yeah, it's a no, way that, to go. That's awesome. And, uh, I, I think it highlights, uh, you know, the, the, the sense of community that maybe we have in, in this, uh, this weird pastime collection shit that we do right collecting comics yeah, I mean, look, and, and what, you know, what it means to us right the, the community like people like if you if you if you if you dig on comics you're in like you're in the club right right and you know like that's just the way that it is it's like you're in the club so right. and i may not know. want to talk to you all the time but you're in the club exactly exactly <laughs> we might not hang out at shows right. but if i know that you're into comics you're in the club. We've automatically, yeah, you're in the club. We've got something in common, and so we've got we've got a really fun common ground, and that's a great starting point for human beings to, to you know to kick off on. I like my sandwiches with three slices of bread. So do I. Let's form a club. <laughs> <laughs> I like my sandwiches with alfalfa sprouts. Well, you're not in the fucking club. <laughs> yeah, so that was you know that's a good thing. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. That is. And that's some great news, the weird stuff, and uh, I like the personal aspect of it, right? Here at uh, From the Outside Looking In, we're not just uh, always on the outside looking in 
Sometimes we're on the inside looking out for other comedy. For you. People. We're looking out for you. Yeah, Looking exactly. out for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you saw what I was doing there. <laughs> I know. I got you. <laughs> oh. So I think the central theme of this show today is is about some really sad stuff, and, and we're going to we're going to talk about that uh in a second and, and um um <clears throat> obviously you know being comic book geeks our, our whole world is rocked um with uh the the recent passing of stan the man but before we do that i want to do a quick mixed media moment right movies books and comic stuff and other bu- 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 doing bu- bu- other bu- things and, and listening to shows and, and going to shows and seeing ghost i saw ghost i saw ghost i saw ghost <laughs> <laughs> that's right motherfuckers i went and saw ghost and it was awesome and that's our mixed media moment i'm going to talk about this fucking show that me and friend of the show vaz went to along with and let me never fucking pass an episode without seeing saying this again myself vaz and sweet motherfucking Lou went and saw Ghost. Rand McNally. No, Rand McNally, Frenchie. We all went and fucking saw Ghost, and it was fucking amazing. Um, <laughs> first of all, the the stage production is fucking bar none. Uh, Patrick and I had seen Ghost before. They opened for Iron Maiden, uh, but this was a Ghost show. This was not Ghost opening for Iron Maiden or another band or any. This was all fucking Ghost. And it was three motherfucking hours of Ghost. They played for three hours, right? There was nice. an, there was an intermission, but they played for fucking three hours. And let me tell you, as much as you love a band, uh, three hours might be the max of a concert that I can sit through. Just <laughs> just letting everybody know, there was one point um, where they did uh, the the Rocky Erickson tune. The only cover they did was the Rocky Erickson. If you have ghosts. And um, Cardinal Copia, who is the lead singer of Ghost, um, right, right, because it was Papa Emeritus the first, the second, the third, and now Cardinal Copia. Uh, it's all the same guy. He's actually come out. Did you know that? Like, he's not a hidden member of Ghost anymore. He is. What do you uh, mean? Uh, so before in Ghost, like they never came out with what their names were. Uh, oh, like the real people names. Yeah. Right. 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 And so right. the, the the lead singer of Ghost, who actually fired some of the original members of the band Ghost, um, oh, really? and, and has replaced them with others, he did come out and he was he was used to be in a band called Repugnant um, and some some other shit. But uh, so <clears throat> Cardinal Copia uh, during the if you have Ghosts uh, song uh, decides and he'd been doing this on the tour. Like I watched some videos and stuff uh, beforehand. Like, this is the fun time where he introduces everybody in the band, right? But everybody okay. everybody in the band is named fucking Ghoul. Like, they're all a nameless ghoul, right? So yeah, like, yeah, nameless right. ghoul number two. Yeah, right. So it was all like, and on lead guitar, well, sometimes rhythm, and then the lead, but he plays it standing tall, stand even taller. <laughs> ghoul! And every time, it's just ghoul! But this goes on for like seven minutes, and I'm just like, finish the song, dude. I like the song. <laughs> I get it. It's funny. Everybody's name is Ghoul. And um, right. yeah, so now they have like, they have another guitar player up there sometimes. He's like, he, he plays guitar, but sometimes just hits the tambourine and does the backing vocals. Ghoul! And I'm like, yeah, I get it. It's cool. <laughs> and now there's two girls that play keyboards, so that they were Ghoulettes. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. But I mean, it was it was really I mean they were fucking spot on. They're they're an amazingly tight band. Um, they did some dueling guitar solo stuff that was pretty funny, like each ghoul trying to show up the other one. But then when he got to like the part where he couldn't show him up, he just played Stairway to Heaven, right? Um, nice. Yeah. So there was there was some really funny stuff. But man, the fucking light show, the fucking. You know the little outfit changes or whatever. You know, coming out in a red pope robe and oh, there was a time that fucking uh, an old Papa Emeritus, right? It's just another dude or whatever, right? But he's wearing the the full Papa Emeritus, not the Cardinal right. Copia shit. He comes out and does a saxophone solo. How fucking great is that? I mean, <laughs> it was unfucking believable. Just hit after hit. Uh, nice. Yeah, the tower was sold out. It was like three thousand two hundred people just loving Ghost. 
There was a guy dressed as Pop Emeritus. That's what was really kind of cool about this show. Like, it was part fucking rock show and part fucking theatrics and part fucking cosplay. Uh, it was super cool. I was like, hey, there's another nun. Bunch of people dressed like nuns. Bunch of people wearing Kinda crazy cool. shit. It was fucking dope. Um, if you get the chance, go see Ghost. They are amazing live. Um <laughs> They're a little long-winded sometimes, like, yeah. you know, like, uh, but the encore was funny. They came out and did Monstrous Clock as the encore, and he was like, you know how it is. We turn the lights off, but we don't turn them back on, and we pretend, are they coming back out? Are they not coming back out? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, it was it was a great show. 26 fucking songs. Wow. Yeah. 26 songs. I can't, I, I can't remember a time I've gone and seen a band... And, and it goes without saying that I've never seen, like, Fish or The Grateful Dead. I'm sure they do that shit all the time. But for me, as just a rock punk kid, like, I don't ever go and see bands do 26 songs uh, in a single set. You know what I mean? So uh, Yeah, it, I'm trying to think, like, in the summer when we saw, like, Radiohead and Foo Fighters and stuff, like, I, I don't know if any of them played that much. That's no, a lot. I've, I've seen Radiohead live, and they do a good hour and a half or so. Ghost went twice as fucking long. Was, wow, you get your money's worth. You definitely fucking got your full fucking, I think it was like maybe 50 bucks or whatever, but it was fucking great. Uh, the Tower Theater, which is, you know, technically in Upper Darby, not actually Philadelphia, but close enough. Right. Close enough to West Philly. Um, cool cool theater. Pretty pretty sweet, awesome theater. Was this your first time at the Tower? It was my first time at the Tower, yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was a good time. Good time. So, um, yeah, look at the, look at your calendars, fucking, if you can see Ghost, go and see Ghost, because they, they were good when they opened for, um, Iron Maiden, they were fucking amazing on their own. Yeah, cool, yeah, I mean, um, I would like to see a show where they are full theatrics, you know what I mean? Yes. And and not something where they kind of have to, like, tear it all down after, like, 45 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um. But I, I myself am waiting to see Iron Maiden, you know, another two times next year. So. <laughs> right, right, right. I am. Uh, I I'm excited. The next show I'm going to, besides that awesome, awesome Bears Have Hearts, Vaz, more Roger, more <laughs> Rogers and Firm Tactics show. Uh, I'm going to go see Spiritualized in April. Oh right, yeah, you did. Find, you did get tickets for that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to be playing at uh, the Fillmore, so it'll be pretty sweet. Yeah, nice venue. Mm-hmm. So did you, are you, so you, it's like standing room. You don't, there's no seats in there. So yeah, it's yeah, just standing room. Just standing room. All right. First come, first serve. Right on. Yeah. I'll be right up on the stage if anybody's looking for me. Yeah. You're like, Jason, nice. I love you. I idolize you. All right, that was kind everything of weird. I do, Everything I do is modeled after your musical yeah, career. Yeah, pretty, pretty much, pretty much. Jason, I've been Except ripping... for that whole playing with Vaz thing. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, totally yeah. not right, something right. you would do, but... Jason, I've been ripping you off for 20 years. Look at me. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, but that's uh, that. That's it. Um, and also, if you haven't had a chance, uh, the new Ghost album prequel is fire. Uh, download that shit. Uh, buy it. Do whatever. If you're not into Ghost for some reason, I don't know what's wrong with you. I know they're scary looking, but they're fucking awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, the music is great, and I like a band that has a fun like cover story. You yeah, know yeah. I mean? No, for sure, for sure. Voss, so. Voss was talking some shit about them kicking all the uh, members of the band out. Um, but yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, I can. I can too. I don't know the whole story, right? Like. So as, as, as a touring band, right, like even if you're signed to a label, most of the money you make is from touring, right, uh, and, right. And, and merchandising, right? The actual album sales, like 95% of that cut goes to the, to the label. Right? To the label. Right, yeah. right. So you make pennies on the dollars on that. Uh, so I, I'd be interested in hearing that whole story, right? Because to that touring group, he added three people. Right, so if that's your main fo- source of income, like you, now you have three more people you have to share that pot with. Uh, you know, maybe, right. maybe, maybe, maybe he wasn't a douchebag. Maybe the other dudes were douchebags. Who knows? But I'd like to hear the story. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and and if they're getting like, let's say forty or fifty a ticket, I mean, they're doing pretty decent. Yeah, right. 
No, I mean, we bought our tickets not off of, like, StubHub or anything, and they were 50 bucks. So. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was a decent penny. And, uh, yeah, I mean, cool. I, I love rock and roll, man. I, lo- I love the story of rock and roll. Uh, nothing will be ever crazier than the Norwegian black metal scene of, like, the, the, the 90s. Do you remember any of those stories? <laughs> No, dude there was this band called like mayhem like check it out sometime so like ghost is from sweden they're sort of black metal but not like real fucking 90s black metal where like dude there was a, in norway there were there was like two murders um and like Holy sh- and like 30 churches burnt down all because of like these black metal heads oh wow this dude, the the lead singer for Mayhem at the time, uh, was this, I don't know, twenty three year old kid, and he changed his name to like Dead or whatever, right? And like, like would literally carry like dead birds in his pocket, so like the smell of death was on him at all time. Right? Oh God! Right? Like, how fucking crazy is that? So why? Well, because he's fucking crazy, and they're like black metal, and they're like, yeah, mega death, more like mega pussies. You know what I mean? <laughs> Right. Like, like they're like really fucking, you know, loving Satan, loving death. So this dude dead in mayhem, he offs himself, right? And you know that in itself is a tragedy. But let's just talk real quick about the way he does it. He cuts both of his wrists down to the bone, Ugh. then cuts his throat, then gets a shotgun and shoots himself in the head. All three of God, them. Yeah, so metal. So fucking metal. And then his roommate, who's also the bass player in the band, right? He comes in and finds this. And of course, he immediately calls the police. Wrong. Wrong. Because that's not fucking black metal. Because Zar Gurgis, or whatever the fuck his name is, knows a good album cover when he sees it. So he goes and runs and buys a camera real quick, pops off a couple of pictures, and I kid you not, that is the album cover for their live bootleg album. No. Oh yeah, dude. I must own this. Can you still get this? Is it still in I'm print? Sh- I'm sure you could get it online. I mean, it was always a bootleg, but I'm sure there's a when there's a will, there's a way. If you want to go, oh yeah, I forget what the the name of the album was. It was it's something desecrated, something you know, like whatever. <laughs> I will f- whatever. I will find this. Yeah, but it's it's the name of the band is is Mayhem, and they're they're one of like the pioneers of black metal, and their live bootleg album was a picture of of their lead singer dead dead after he had committed suicide oh man that sounds awesome fucking insane so so there's my black metal story sorry guys uh yeah but that's fucking that's ghost is nowhere near like that they're nothing like like that but they're fucking awesome and you should check it out and if you're feeling really weird Look into Norwegian black metal in the 90s. It gets really fucking oh, scary. Oh, dude, I think I just found it. Yeah, what's the name of the album? I gotta... It may or may not be called Dawn of the Black Hearts. It's something black. That is the fucking name of it. That is the name of okay. it. Okay. I can. I found. I at least found a t-shirt. All right, I gotta do... That was just a very... That was a very... Um, there was a very brief uh, internet search that netted me a t-shirt that definitely looks like a murder scene. So just gonna leave that right there and uh, we should probably <laughs> we should probably move on. <laughs> yeah yeah no hundred percent that is I just looked it up. It's called Dawn of the Black Hearts live album by mayhem and yeah oh my God. <laughs> yeah dude oh my God dude oh my God. Yeah, that's so wild. That is fucked up. That's that's the album cover, dude. Okay. Yeah. That's uh that's wild. Yeah. Norwegian black metal kids fucking steer clear of it. Uh Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Yeah, fucking crazy. But Ghost A okay. Sweden's not the same. Um real weird story with that and maybe maybe we'll have a conversation about that the whole time at another time, but like, you know, Norway pretty idyllic country, right? So when kids need something, oh, to rebe- yeah. you know, when kids need something to rebel against, may as well just rebel against life in general. Wow. Yeah, crazy. But anyways, we'll move on now, and um, we'll move on, and we'll, we'll talk with a heavy heart 
um, our world was rocked recently uh, about, and, you know, everybody knew it was coming, right? But uh, the passing of Stan Lee, um, comic book legend. And um, we here at uh, From the Outside Looking In want to take a little little while, right? A little moment here to, to remember um, probably the greatest to ever do it, right? Well, I mean... He did some stuff. He defined the genre for a lot of people. For a lot of yeah. people, he defined the genre. And I would be hard-pressed to think of anybody who's had a greater impact on comics than, right. than Stan Lee, right? Like you could argue, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, you could argue like a Bob Kane or something like that. and ba- But I don't think anybody's had that same impact as, yeah. as Stan I mean, Lee. It, Jack Kirby, for sure, right? But <laughs> Stan Lee... Yeah, but so there's, there's, there's a really good... There's a really good discussion or debate to be had on, you know, how Stan impacted other artists, good or bad. You know what I mean? And, you know, like his relationship with 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 Jack, the King Kirby. Yep. You know, is a is a key, you know, key example. You know what I mean? But Stan, what was Stan? It was like 92. He was very he was he was up there. Yeah, ninety two or ninety four. I mean, in his 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 early nineties for sure. Yeah, um, and and I mean, we we'd heard a lot of stuff. You know, we'd heard a lot of stuff about how he'd been treated by you know his handlers. I, I don't know who his agent or handler was. It um, there was there was a, a a daughter or something that was involved too, and there was just a lot of shenanigans about the Stan Lee money. And you know, over his last couple of years, that became a big issue and. Um, you know, we'd heard stories of, you know, him being at signing events, you know, like like comic shows doing signings. And he was, you know, definitely not in the kind of health and mental well-being that you would want somebody to be in to be kind of doing this stuff. Yeah. You know what and, I mean? And that scene is, is, is rough. You know what I mean? Like you're you're at a con for hours on end. You know what I mean? Like, right. You look at somebody like. I mean, yeah, there's there's an age difference between Jim Sternenko and Neil Adams, right? But Sternenko's yeah, oh yeah. Sternenko's a fucking monster. You know what I mean? Neil Adams looks right. visor, visibly tired at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Like, oh uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, Stan, I, I, I the the impact that he's had on the comic world, right? Um, with just telling amazing stories and really setting up the concept of, uh, in my opinion, right, like continuing stories, like arcs, right, where most comics back in the day, like the early action comics, the early uh, detective comics, things like that, right, they were one-shots, basically, right? Maybe you would have a two-episode two book, right? But most of them were right. one-shots, right? Um, Stan Lee really introduced the idea of comics that could last, you know, five, six, ten issue runs. Um, right. And, and then and then play back on themes that were done in the same book, you know, years before, right? Um, so I, I think he's one of the first uh, comic book in- innovators that, that really created a universe, right? Like, we all talk about the Marvel Universe or the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Um, but I, I really think that Stan Lee is one of those people that created that concept of a universe, Right. Because before like the 60s or the 70s, before the Justice League. Right. You know, and I think the Justice League predates the Avengers. Right. Uh, Uh, um, I don't know. It's going to be pretty close. Right. It's going to be pretty close. Um, Yeah, it's going to be pretty close. I I think they're I think they're they're right around the same time. I feel like the Avengers is like 63 and. you know, Justice League might have been right around that time, but the ju- those characters had been some of those. Most of those characters had been out since the forties. I mean, Wonder Woman was the forties. Batman, right, right. Superman were all in the and they 40s, brought the so. they brought the flashback for 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 the Justice League and and and, right. and all that. But before that, you don't really see any of those characters like associating with each other. But in Marvel Comics, even in the early days, it wouldn't be that strange to see you know a doctor strange you definitely saw doctor strange and nick fury together and you would see nick fury and spider-man and and things like that it was one cohesive universe that all these people lived in which was kind of cool yeah and he created characters like real characters like you know like spider-man was a 
he was not in the mold of most superhero characters. He was a teenage kid. He had teenage problems. Yep. Um, you know, like they 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 were real. You know, they were real characters. He was he was uh, a genius at adding flaws to his characters, right? Right. I, I would I would right. definitely think that. You know what I mean? Like Batman. You know, the Batman character definitely has been fleshed out a lot more as years have progressed. But I mean, early on, he was just a rich nuts dude. Nut. You know what I mean? Like he was just rich and nuts. Yeah. Like that was his whole thing. Like I'm rich and I fight crime. Yeah, like that was the whole character, um, and obviously they fleshed that out a lot better and, and gave a really compelling story. But I, I really think that Stan Lee was a pioneer in that kind of vision of of creating heroes that were relatable. Right. And uh, it's, yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a tremendous. And it, I, Go ahead. Sorry. You know, it, it wasn't just it, it wasn't just um, it wasn't just characters though. He also, he also was like the heart and soul of Marvel Comics. Oh yeah, and it, you know there was a there's this huge time where he he was Marvel Comics and he gave Marvel Comics like life. It wasn't just like characters. No, and co- it was it was you know he created the bullpen and he you know had like you know all kinds of fan uh comics and uh, fan issues and things that they would yeah. um you know send out to send out to people like foom like friends of friends of old marvel or whatever um you know he created he gave marvel comics a life that other comic companies like dc comics and stuff didn't really have and so he he really promoted it like heavily stanley was the face of comics in the 70s, 80s, and arguably the 90s, right? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And even beyond just being a, a creator, being a publisher, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know some DC artists and creators for sure, you know what I mean? But the the publishing aspect of it has always been a business aspect of detective right. comics, right? <laughs> um, right. Um, so Stan Lee was... You know something that really broke the mold. You know. Yeah, I mean, he 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 was a he was a marketer of the company. Like he wasn't just a marketer of comics and stuff. He was a marketer of Marvel Comics as a whole. Right. And they went into all kinds of forays that you know it was kind of like, in a way, what the way Kiss marketed themselves as a rock band. For sure, absolutely. Like. All the crazy stuff that Kiss was involved in and, and all the marketing stuff that they did, like toys and, you know, movies and comic books and toilet paper and whatever. Right, right. Stan, Stan, Stan Lee brought that same, you know, that same vibrancy to Marvel Comics. And, and he made them so much more than what they were. I mean, in the 70s, they were pioneering, like, the TV shows. Yeah. Um, you know... Like some of which oh, were absolute DC. garbage, but yeah, for sure, <laughs> they, they were. Some of them were absolute garbage, but um, he they 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 pushed. I mean, he knew that that was a medium that you know he wanted to see his product in. Yeah. Right. That's the next logical step, and so he was pushing to do that, and so you know it just took you know, 30, 40 years for the medium to actually catch up with the concept. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And I think he was really proud of what was accomplished in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? Um, Oh, yeah. Always always having the, the, you know, the the cameos in in every movie, uh, which is great. And then I also did hear, um, I I absolutely want to see this movie. I heard it was fantastic. But Into the Spider-Verse... Oh. Contains the la- yeah, a very emotional and touching last Stanley ca- uh, cameo. Okay, okay, yeah, I, I um I am very very much trying to go see that. Um, I'm actually trying to hold off and um I'm trying to you know save it for the next time I'm around with my niece and nephew because I'd really like to take them to go see it. But yeah, I definitely want to go see it because I've heard nothing but amazing things about it. So I'm yeah. really excited. I think it's going to be excellent. Right, and you know it's it's just. You know, I, I've explained in the past, like, you know, my my love or admiration for Kevin Smith and his crew. And, like, you know, one of my favorite Stanley appearances is in the movie Mallrats, right? <laughs> in his conversation 
with uh, Jason Lee about wanting to find true love and all that. Um, I, I think that's one of the first times that I've seen Stan Lee in a movie, right? And then uh, ha- having him appear in every Marvel movie afterwards has been great. You know, even right. if, even if it's the uh, the DJ at a strip club in Deadpool, right? It's just fucking fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's just he's he brought a lot to the industry, and thankfully, and and, and you know, you got to remember, like there were some serious hard times at Marvel. Oh like, yeah. At, at least once or at least twice where they were pretty much near bankruptcy. So, um, you know, to see their way through and come out the other side, and to to have you know Marvel movie studio. Um, be you know become what it is yeah right is pretty it's a behemoth it's i mean it's an absolute behemoth and 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 that's always like it's an interesting story because both of the two major comic book publishers dc and marvel have hit hard times in the past but what's kind of really cool again about this industry and and i say this industry like i have nothing to do with the fucking comic book industry i could not draw my (laughs) Like, I can't draw the hand turkey, you know what I mean? Like, that's how bad of an artist I am, right? (laughs) Um, But, like, uh, what's really kind of cool about this industry is each time that, like, Marvel or DC was was facing trouble, right? Like, there would always be a crossover between the universes. Like, they would work with each other. Even though they were competitors, they would work with each other to have that Marvel-DC crossover, right? And try to pump sales Obviously, that pumped sales for both companies, but it worked out for any any anyone either one of them that were like failing at the time, right? A little something. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, those crossovers, you know, outside of a couple of early early crossovers, like the one shots, especially a lot of stuff that Neil Adams did covers for. Yeah. Um, most of those things were garbage. Oh no! Yeah, they were absolutely. I mean, they were cash grabs. Stories were terrible. Oh, yeah, for right? sure. You know, I mean, it's just the fucking, let's put, you know, Superman and Captain America on the cover of something and call it a fucking day, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that, that was just all it was. And, um, but, yeah, but it, it's still kind of a cool concept in an industry. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. If, 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 if Arista is failing as a record label, right? Like, Sony's not going to let them put out. <laughs> Put do a comp with you know one of their artists right there to be like yeah fuck that I right. buy that motherfucker you know, um, <clears throat> so it's a cool concept, and um, yeah I mean Stanley uh, a visionary in the comic book industry uh, I would say so I mean he, he arguably has made some of the most memorable one person right has made some of the most memorable characters um, to ever hit comic books. Or to ever ever hit the small screen or the big screen, right? And, yeah, I agree. and that's that's agree. pretty fucking crazy when you think about it, you know? <coughs> like when you think about how um you know, like when you think about how amazing Batman is, right? Like you can't really think of any other fucking Bob Kane characters, right? <laughs> you know, no. like who else Are there any? I, who the fuck knows, right? It's arguable that Bob Kane is not the inventor of Batman, right? And I know that, you know, Stan had Jack the King Kirby with him, right, for sure. And then after that, Steve Ditko and, 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 you know, a slew of talent around him, right? But, I mean, we're talking fucking hit after hit after hit. You know, we're talking about the Fantastic Four, the, the, the Spider-Man, the Avengers, the X-Men, you know? Like, it's yep. fucking comic book and movie royalty. Maybe not the Fantastic Four. All those films have been garbage. Um, but the comic book is fucking amazing. Yeah, it's so you know. Maybe we do need to kind of touch on the complicated history of of Stan Lee and his artists, right? Yeah, there is because a lot of times, you know, he, you know, he would he would say, "Hey, you know, I don't know. Here's you know, here's here's an idea. Run with that." And then you know, Jack Kirby would would do a lot of the you know a lot of the visionary stuff, a lot of the artwork and, and stuff. And, you know, cause, cause, cause Stanley didn't do art. He, no, he was a you know, story he was teller. more conceptual. Yeah, yeah, right, he, right. yeah. He was a storyteller. He was very conceptual. And, um, so it's debatable about, you know, who did what and who owed who what. And I think that's one of the other things is that, you know, um, what, 
what Marvel Comics owed its its artists. You know what I mean? Because I, I think there's a lot there, and there's a lot to to say about that. Like, there is no Incredible Hulk without Jack Kirby. It's just it's not there. You know what I mean? Like the early Captain Americas, things like that. None of that is possible without Jack Kirby. Um, Spider Man. Uh, not possible without Steve Ditko, right? Um, uh, a lot of that shit. Doctor Strange, not right. you know, all of those characters. Not possible without 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 Steve Ditko, without Jack Kirby, without these these unsung heroes, right? Of of comics for sure. But Stan Lee knew how to go out there and sell their art. You know what I mean? Right. And there's something to right. that, right? Like whether you like it or not, like. Fuck, yeah, I wish everybody knew who Jack Kirby was and how important he was or how important Steve Ditko was to this industry, right? But 98% of the, the people listening to this podcast probably don't even know who the fuck those people are, right? Oh, yeah. yeah it's yeah. it's sad that not, you know a bunch of people in this world don't know who the fuck Jack Kirby is. But if you left that marketing to Kirby, like... You wouldn't. You wouldn't fucking. We would have never heard of Spider Man, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. Maybe uh, Spider Man's Ditko, but we would have never heard of the fucking Fantastic Four or 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 of the Incredible Hulk, right? Because Kirby didn't have that that marketing appeal, that that mass media yeah, and it, you know, mogul kind of thing, you know. And and I, I appreciate a lot of the argument for. You know, for 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 Jack Kirby and and for what he contributed and and whether he got enough back. And I don't think he did. But I don't. I don't think any, no, any of the actual creators like Kirby or Ditko got anything back. I almost said Ditko because. And and I and I I agree with that. But I also I also want you know I also want perspective there. Like I don't think Stan Lee was like driving Rolls Royces and you know living in Playboy mansions and no, stuff. Fuck and, no, no. I mean and when him living and- large, like they weren't making money hand over fist in the '60s and '70s and 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 '80s when a lot of this stuff was going on. So it's not like there was money to go around anyway. No, right, exactly. And I mean, there's there's other costs to it, right? Like there's a shit ton of cost. To, to the marketing aspect, right? And I think, oh, yeah. yeah, I think, you know, from a creator standpoint, sometimes it's it's hard to put that into perspective. You know what I mean? Like, for me, it's hard to put it into perspective with, I mean, just our, our stupid intellectual creativity on, on this podcast, right? Like, you know, like, like <laughs> creativity. Yeah, yeah, no, but it is, right? Like, I mean, at least there's some sort of effort that goes into this. And I'm like, why do, why doesn't people just listen to this and realize how much of a fucking genius we are? You know what I mean? Um, well, like here's your here's your here's your perspective, right? And you because you said this earlier, to 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 put an album on vinyl, you have to you have to print a thousand discs, mm-hmm. right? For for Marvel Comics to to make a comic, they have to print X number of things, right? Right, exactly. Right? There has to, you know what I mean? Like, so there's. There is printing cost. There's all kinds of manufacturing cost that goes into making, you know, magazines. Right. And then there's shipping, and then there's all this stuff. So it's like, I don't know that there was that much money to go around. Um, and then, you know, one of the other things that really doesn't help the case of people who, and, and I, look, and I love Jack Kirby. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Me you know, too. And, Absolutely. And, you know, and, and you know, and I love Ditko, and um, you know, like one of the one of my one of my quests. Is to collect the first hundred issues of Spider Man, and and you know a large you know half of that is Ditko. Yeah, right, absolutely. You know, all the keys, all Ditko. But when Kirby went off on his own, and when he went to DC, and then when he went to do some independent work, Kirby didn't have anywhere near the kind of success. No, no, that he had when he was with Stan Lee at Marvel during those early years of Marvel. Right. And I, you know, I think that his new God stuff that he did at DC was was cool. Um, but the problem is, is that it didn't sell. And, and we, we, you know, on this show, we have taken a hard look at a lot of stuff. Like, when we, you know, we do some of our episodes about, like, when we talked about, like, Power Man and Iron Fist and yeah, right, um, right. You know, some of these, some of these, some of these other these comics where they just don't sell, and that's why they go away. And I've t- and, and we've talked you know, about it a thousand times. You know, my 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 favorite character of, of all time is, is John Constantine, and Hellblazer will get canceled again and again and again, right? Because yeah. there's there's only X amount of people like me that love that story. You know, 
And but there's also there's there's also a, a lot of artists and creators who will want to take a really unique character and shine a light on it. So yeah. that's why it gets canceled. It, it not only does it get canceled and canceled and canceled, it gets restarted and restarted and restarted. Right? Yeah, exactly. And you and know? you're you're never gonna have. And, and and we've talked about how I lo- I love indie comics and I you know like I'll read certain uh, authors just you know like I'll read anything by Alan Moore I don't give a shit who publishes it but you know right there may not be a lot of people who've read Providence by Alan Moore you know what I mean like there's there's some right. you know there's some great books out there and 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 the indie scene is really cool you know for sure but I, I think a bigger point of that is all of that is possible because of the mass success of things like Marvel, right? Like, I, right. I think you get The Walking Dead, for example, right? Like, an amazing television phenomenon, right? If there wasn't the success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you would not see that show on TV. I totally agree. I, you would not. A lot of the shows, Preacher. Yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of the stuff that's out there, you would never have. So so here's a great here's a great... Uh, what if, right? We always love the what if comics, but here's a what if comic for you. What if Marvel had gone under in the 90s? Like, they were very, 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 very close to doing. What would have become of the industry at that point? Right. Like, think about that. Right. You know what I mean? And and, and it takes, you know, I, I, I don't think that I don't think that Stan Lee was the reason necessarily that uh, that they didn't go bankrupt. I mean, I think that there are people at Marvel like Joe Quesada and A.V. Arad and, and some of these guys that, that put in a lot of time directing Marvel and writing the ship get a, deserve a lot of credit. For sure, for sure. Um, but, it you know, if Marvel had gone under at that point in time, um, you know, there'd be a whole different perspective on you know, all of these things, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I but. mean, there's, there are a lot of different people that deserve credit. Right. And there's too many to list, um, you know, on, on any show. Right. But I think, right. I, I think it, it, it's, it's a hard fact to ignore that without Stan Lee and without what he has done for the industry, comic, mm-hmm. comic books, would never have been digested into the to the to the mainstream consciousness, right? You, we would be relegated to you know your mother's basement, right? Still, you know, what I mean, like there, there was definitely a stigma in the eighties and nineties, right? Like comic book nerd, like those were those were real things, you know what I mean? And now it's 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 multi billion dollar film franchises, and you know, I'm not saying that Stanley wrote those movies, directed them, had anything to do with it. But a big piece of why this is, is is has been consumed so much is because of the work he did in in, in the early seventies, uh, even sixties and eighties, right? Like I feel like we don't get to where we are today without that in the past. And you could and the same applies to Jack Kirby and, and Steve Ditko and and Jim Sternanko and all these guys, Neil Adams and and, and all these amazing creators, right? But the person that really helped put it into the consciousness of a country, right, of the world, is is I really think the put, per, person behind there mainly is Stan Lee, right? Oh, yeah, he, he, I, I totally agree. He became the face of it. Whether, you know, what you can make all sorts of arguments, whether it was deservingly or not, Stan Lee became the face of comic books, you know? And I think that has something to say, you know, that, that there's something to say about that, you know? Yeah, I mean the, the 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 if you know it's it's not as much the creativeness as it is the the marketing vision. Yes, right. and that's really where he makes his mark. Right, and the fact that the company still you know because you know once Marvel Comics got sold to Disney, it's not like they owed him anything. No, not at all. But they kept him around, and they kept him around, and allowed him to profit off of what was essentially, you know, their creation, yes. you know, they, and they didn't, they I, didn't do I, the I, same with Lucas and whether I agree or disagree with that doesn't matter. Right. But you know, right. at first they kind of did. Yeah. George Lucas at Disney world and blah, 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 blah. But now, yeah, they're fucking up that franchise on their own. They don't need anybody else. Help. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
But to see, and, and that was this is one of the the lasting marks of Stan Lee is that he's in all the movies and they find a role for him in the movies. And I really, you know, in retrospect, when we think about it, like I really appreciate the the viewpoint where he's a, a watcher. Yeah, yeah, I, I did like that. Yeah, you know, because I I think that is a really it's a really fitting perspective for Stanley. That's that's who he is. That's what he's been and what he's done. Right. He's, you know, he's not writing. He's not writing a lot of the stuff. He's not doing the artwork, but he's guiding. He's watching over everything. And when he needs to step in and 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 you know direct to the right thing, you know, direct this the ship or whatever, he does that. And you know, and and I, I really appreciate that they uh, kept him involved and and you know kept him part of it and and people in the industry and and comic book nerds like us they are super thankful for that and they are you know they recognize who he is and what he's contributed and what he's been and you know like think about this we're having this conversation about stan lee and some of these guys there's nobody in dc comics that is that is that means you know what stan lee means to marvel Comics. no not at all we're not going to have this same conversation or episode uh, I mean, maybe we'll have a conversation about Jim Lee one day, but, but it, it, it's it's not the same level of impact, you know. Um, right. And and it's you know yeah it's it's again you know the, the he he burnt down the the he beat the path right like everybody that came after owes something to to that path being beaten down, right? That door oh, that yeah. door being open. You know what I mean? Like. We could talk all day, and like I, there are certain authors that I love: Frank Miller, Alan Moore, Garth Ennis, yep. Grant Morrison. These guys write fucking amazing stories. Um, Neil Gaiman. I was just gonna say, Jesus fucking Christ, Neil Gaiman. I will read shit all day about Neil Gaiman. Like fucking love Neil Gaiman. American Gods season two drops in March. Just to let you know. Um, God, I hope it so. It does. Yeah, that that's the official release is March. Um, I love all of those fucking guys. Uh, but I would not know who they were if it wasn't for Stan Lee, probably. Yeah. Um, so, everybody, if you got a little glass of beer or whatever, let's raise, let's toast to Stan the man one final time. Thanks for everything. Excelsior. Ah, Excelsior. And, yeah, man. So, I, I hate to say it, true believers, but that is uh, that is all the time we have today. Uh, again, I want to thank you for stopping by. Thanks for letting us vent our hearts to you a little bit, right? Like, if nothing else, we were able to <laughs> vent and we feel fucking better about it. Um, and maybe you got to vent a little bit and, and, and shared some thoughts and felt better about it, too. Uh, Stan Lee will definitely be missed, but uh, as we say... Th- <laughs> it, 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 thanks for giving us a shoulder to cry Yes, on. exactly. So, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for hanging out. My name is Andy Liascos. I'm Patrick Bannis. Hard one we're doing remote to see me pointing at you, but I was. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this was awesome. Uh, Rip Stanley Excelsior. Deuces. Peace. Peace.